What up, what up, what up, everyone? Hope everybody's having a great weekend and welcome to Combo's Court. I am Combo. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button. Today's show was recorded on Thursday. Keep that in mind. Seth Partnow of The Athletic joins in. It's just a great conversation. Can't wait for you all to hear it. You can find Seth on Twitter at Seth Partnow. That's S-E-T-H-P-A-R-T-N-O-W. You know you can find me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Tell a friend to tell a friend about Combo's Court Podcast. Share this episode. Check out the Combo's Court Patreon page. You could join in as a Combo's Court Patreon member. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Seth Part now of The Athletic. Welcome back to Combo's Court, man. It's been a while. How are you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. Thanks for having me back. Oh, yeah, of course. Anytime. Seth is formerly the, the director of basketball research for the Milwaukee Bucks. He's co-host of Nerder, she wrote. And he's an author, man. How's it been going with the book? Uh, it's, um, it's wild to have finished. I'm just, it's kind of the uh, the calm before the storm before it, when it comes out. And then I have to worry about uh, uh, you know, answering questions about what's in it, remembering what's in it, and then, uh, you know, doing events, hopefully, if, if there's enough interest. And yeah, so, but that, that, that's, that it, it's coming out in November. So a little bit of time before I have to really dig down on that. Can you give me a brief overview? Sure. It's a, it's sort of a, um, a topical approach to uh, how basketball has changed kind of with analytics, not necessarily because of analytics, but the, interplay of analytics and rule changes and sort of general developments and thinking of the game, um, you know, how that stuff has, has uh, intertwined together to kind of make the modern game. I remember last time you telling me that the modern defense hasn't really caught up to the modern offense and it, it, it still seems that way, right? Yeah. I'll, although I think from a tactical standpoint, it's getting there. I think a big part of the reason we saw, at least most of the season saw kind of the crazy offense was as much about uh, rules enforcement as it was about kind yeah. of strategy. Um, you know, the, the not allowed to touch a guy ever while offenses are still allowed to, you know, fully reverse pivot into a, into a, a ball screen makes it pretty easy to create an advantage. And for whatever reason, the, the most, I think, uh, most plausible answer is, is kind of lack of fans. Like uh, the NBA as a whole, like shot the crap out of the ball this year. Um, you know, yeah. you can look with the tracking data, you can look at, you know, more or less open shots. And usually the NBA as a whole makes around 38, 38, five on right. those this year, it was up like 39, 39, five. And that may not sound like much, but over, you know, with the number of threes that are taken per game over a hundred possessions, that's, you know, that's two or three points per game right there. Yeah, you know, the fans thing, it kind of ties into a theory I have about Julius Randle. I think just what Julius Randle needed, uh, and he actually got it done, was, you know, have more poise, play with more pace, make the right pass more often. Obviously, the shooting got a lot better, and that opened up everything for him. 
But I think when the fans did come back, he lost some of that poise. You know, could it be more adrenaline? I don't know. How do you feel about that theory? And what do you think about Julius Randle's season and his postseason? Um, I think there's some of that. I think um, the Knicks' sort of overall plan for that series did him no favors. Um, they didn't. They, I mean, Atlanta came out and they had New York scouted what they wanted to do. They uh, they basically were. It was really interesting. They were showing Randall left all series, yes. but left right into in, into Clint Capella, and New York basically aside from a quarter and a half of game two never figured out a way to, to get around that. And so it was just like, you know, he was dribbling down a blind alley and, you know, having to throw up floaters and jump in the air and make passes. And, you know, he didn't, he didn't perform well, but he also just was not really put in positions to do well either. And so I said, I wrote before the playoffs started that he was one of the players who had the most to gain or lose uh, through this postseason run. And I mean, I think it's pretty clear which way that went, unfortunately for him. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, that's an NBA skill that one could really get better at, like working on your opposite hand. It's not like, you know, innate vision or, you know, something like that. No, that but the, the, I mean, the interesting is they were, they were showing him strong hand. Like he's, he, they, they were like, they, they were working hard not to let him get like right back to his right hand for whatever reason. It seems yeah. like he's a better. It does seem like he might be a better passer going to his right than going to his left. What I mean, you can't take away from what the Hawks did on defense, right? I, no. Why didn't we see that from teams in the regular season, though? Like, what was the difference with Julius Randle? What was the difference the way they were playing with him? I mean, I think, again, it's this is sort of the thing that, that, that happens in the playoffs when you can say, okay, what is the yeah. specific strength and weakness of this team? Okay, R.J. Barrett only wants to go left, so we're forcing him right. Julius Randle is better going right than he's going left. So we're going to show him left, um, you know? And so they, I mean, they, they kind of, we, we can bait Derek Rose into taking some early clock pull-ups. Um, so they, I mean, it, it just really seemed like Atlanta had everything the Knicks wanted to do offensively. They were just ready for it. And the Knicks never figured out a way to do anything to, you know, move Clint Capella away from the rim. And, you know, the, the, the Knicks shot under 40% at the rim with Capella uh, defending. And they, they barely shot over 50% at the rim over the whole series. So, I mean, that's for, for a team that's not a great jump shooting team um, and is kind of trying to grind some points, like that's, that, that's a pretty big, you know, you're, you're, you're riding with the handbrake on, right? Yeah, yeah. It, Atlanta had his troubles midseason, but it does seem – that they have done something that Portland hasn't. I mean, they built around Trey in the right way, right? In terms of defense. Oh, definitely. I mean, they, I mean, I mean, it's, it's Capella largely Capella and, and, and Deandre Hunter largely. I don't think yeah, those are their plus defenders, but yeah, but, but Bogdan, you know, he, he plays hard, you know, he play. you know, he plays hard and he's got, he's got good size. I don't think yeah. he's a, I don't think he's a plus wing defender, but I don't think he's awful. Right. Um, and you know Trey was uh, Trey was Trey competed this series, and the yes. Knicks also just don't have the kind of offense that could really stress him. Like obviously Reggie Bullock is not going to go at him ball in hands, and then because the Knicks did so little to kind of put Atlanta in rotation, then like you know one of the weaknesses Trey is always going to have, effort level or not, is he's never going to be a great closeout guy because you know he just you are the size you are. Yeah. Um, 
And but they never, I mean, they they never put the, the Hawks in rotation, so that didn't matter either. Yeah, it seems like the Knicks never get effortless buckets. Yeah, exactly. They 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 just nothing easy at all. Yeah, yeah. Obi Toppin showing some flashes though, Seth. Right? No, I I I thought that. I mean, <laughs> I thought the guys the, the guys who who actually like showed the most were the two rookies. I thought. Yeah. Like they, they had they. I mean, especially once it started kind of going a certain way for Randall, like you could see him get frustrated. Little for Barrett also, but like Toppin and quickly when they came in had some pop. Yes. It wasn't yeah. always directed the right way, but at least it was, you know, something. Yeah, they showed those rookies mis- mistakes, but they yeah. showed they, they they showed energy. It's so hard to evaluate a rookie, especially when injuries are involved, you know? Yeah. No, but that was I was I I, I frankly I thought the Knicks were gonna win that series, but after the first game, I was like, Oh boy, did I get this one wrong. Yeah, let's shift to the Nets, Seth. I mean well, I mean, look, do they just have enough top-end talent to just beat teams with more chemistry than they do? I, I feel it's almost like defying the odds, even though that's crazy to say when they have those three guys. Yeah, I mean, I don't I, I don't think the, the chemistry between those three guys is particularly bad. That's true. Um, that's true. But it's not a team. It's not a it's not like a jazz or like a bucks, right? Right, right, right. Um, you know, it's I mean, it's a it's a different kind of chemistry. Um I'm, yeah. I'm anxious to see when they get into kind of close like more competitive series because i don't think they they never really felt any danger from boston so there was a little bit of you know Giannis had the quote after the bucks closed out uh miami of not playing with with your food yeah. brooklyn played with their food a little bit in boston and you know jason tatum went off for a game and 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 so they dropped one but but you know brooklyn was you know they were like okay we we got this so they 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 were in second gear most of that series i'm interested to see when Harden first got there, they sort of naturally kind of fell into roles where Harden spent yes. the, the you know the first couple quarters. And, and we and actually said, I don't know if you remember this. We talked about that yeah. way even before uh, they, that he would just be best as the point guard because he's just not as good. At, this is, I mean, he's all these guys are so talented, but he's just yeah. not good as off ball player as Kyrie and Durant. So it just yeah. Like, well, and also he's, I mean, he's, he's also just a better facilitator. Yes, than yes, yes. A better facilitator. Yeah, it just made yeah. sense the whole time. And, and also just like, you know, he, uh, I mean, we, if we talk about the West at all, like we, you see this with Luca, like Luca wears down in the second half of games and yeah. that that's happened to Harden in the playoffs before, but if he's, you know, using the first two, two and a half quarters, you know, shooting here and there, but like, you know, coming off a pick and getting distributing, then fourth quarter comes, then he's probably got more in the tank if it if it's time to okay, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna just break you down and get buckets now. Yeah, yeah. And when you look at the Nets, I mean, just in terms of shooting, is yeah. this the is this the best shoot? I I know it's crazy to say because we've had the Warriors, you know. Is this the best shooting team ever with those three guys and Joe Harris? That's pretty good. I mean, this I mean you Utah's a pretty good shooting team too. Yeah, they are. They are. I mean, Utah. I mean, Utah has had, does some things to get some guys who are not as great movement shooters. Like between like the shot making that Brooklyn has, you know, Durant is obviously an elite movement shooter. Kyrie can shoot any number of ways. Harris mm-hmm. is also an elite movement shooter, and you know, Harden is one of the you know great off the dribble guys. So yeah, just in terms of when you combine, you know, volume and accuracy and degree of difficulty, like they're, they're right there. Yeah. Yeah. I think in, ter- I think in terms of defense, the Achilles heel for the nets is interior defense. How, how would you guard Giannis in, in the, in the series? Oh man. 
This is so I've I I think I change my opinion on what's going to happen this series seven or eight times a day. <laughs> so like it's just like you can go through you know each team has has such distinct strengths and weaknesses and their strengths and weaknesses like align so well with the other team's strengths and weaknesses that it's just like you, which one is going to win out? Like I don't, I don't think they have a really great chance of stopping. Giannis, but there's only one Drew Holiday, and Dante DiVincenzo being out means that someone that's not particularly good defensively is going to be guarding either Kyrie or Harden. You yeah. know, I'm, and then then you know if if the more Giannis has to go on on uh, Durant, then then you worry about you know Giannis foul trouble, and um, so it's it's you know. I mean, I think that I think we're going to see a lot of nets falling down. I'll put it that way. <laughs> I mean, I talked about effortless buckets uh, that the Knicks lack. That I think at the end of the game, if it comes down to that, I mean, to me, I think the Nets are going to win this series, and that's part of the reason. I mean, you you do have to say that that with with Middleton, the Bucks do yeah. have a guy who who can who can get that shot off. Although, I mean, the the counter is, you know how does that shot look if he's getting it off over Durant? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I have a question for you. What, what position does Bruce Brown play? Uh, shooting center two center. <laughs> have, have you ever seen anything? You know, it's kind of like what Houston wanted Westbrook to be in a way. A little bit. No, it's, it's funny. We're, we're, I'm actually working on an article about this with our, with our Nets beat writer. Um, you, the, you can you can look and see like how often a guy rolls hard to the rim after setting a ball screen. Uh, for most guards, it's around fifteen percent. For centers, it's around fifty-five percent. Bruce Brown was up like sixty-seven percent of the time he set a screen. He rolled hard to the rim, so he was basically a, he was he was basically a six-four dive man, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah, and on defense, he could guard guard, so it's an interesting yeah. dynamic, you know. Yeah. He's a role. Know. He's he's a role man that's not going to kill you on defense. Yeah, I don't. And I, but I don't know how well a six four role man works against Milwaukee. He just, yeah, you are right, but he seems to defy the odds over yeah, and over again. That's true, but I mean, if he's you know if he's if he's doing that, I mean, don't you just guard him with with Brook Lopez and yeah, okay, okay, try to try to finish over Brook then. So okay, go, so you're saying go guard him directly with brooke lopez yeah well i mean then i mean then you know you mm. you know brooke, brooke can kind of play a little like you can you're not super worried about the about the dive man getting to the rim so so brooke can can kind of play in that drop kind of ready to, to contest a, a mid-ranger and and if and if the the pocket pass does go off then you know you've got you know brooke recovering or Giannis coming from the weak side i mean i yeah yeah let's put it this way if if the if the lineup is is Harden, Kyrie, KD, Joe Harris, and Bruce Brown, and the offense they're generating is Bruce Brown floaters over a seven footer, I like what my defense has done. Yeah, yeah. I, the the, pro, the problem with that might be if they get out in transition, right? The next. Yeah. yeah. 
I mean, so, but I mean, you, but you know, we're going down the reasons why it might be advantage Milwaukee. Then you, yeah. you flip it right back, and then it's yeah. like, well, these are the things that, and that's why you're going, and that's why you're going back, and that's why you're going back and forth. With the yeah, city. exactly. It's just you know, <laughs> and then you know, I, you know, I have, I still have visions in my head of, of you know, my last year there. Fred Van Vliet made like nine thousand threes in the conference finals, and you brought up Joe Harris, and you know, Joe Harris could. The potential for Joe Harris going off this series is is pretty high. Yes, yes, yeah. I remember you told me they needed two Joe Harris's. That's what they were looking for. One off season. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. And <laughs> B is. I mean, a meniscus tear. I mean, I'm going through ACL recovery right now. I'm not any specialist, but I have some insight. You know, it's my second yeah. surgery. I mean, that can really mean nothing, or it could mean everything because. There's probably a lot of players out there with minor meniscus tears playing in the NBA, playing all around the world, you know. But then on the other hand, when one part of your knee is yeah compromised, compromised, there you go. Yeah. Then it could lead to like a stronger injury. So we really don't have enough information to even what to make out of this, you know. And you know, and also if you're seven one two ninety, maybe with you know a yeah. history of of not awesome health stuff, like this is, I mean, this is a really this is a really tough decision for Philadelphia as it's an all about it's all about risk reward, right? At this point. Yeah. Because they have because if he can play and be, you know, 95% of Joel Embiid, they have a legit chance to win the title this year. Yes, I think he has to be the best player. In, in yeah, the game, right. But if he can, but if but so like that's just, you know, that's the spot where you, you know, you you risk it. And like I don't, you know. If you had like you ask Kevin McHale if he regrets playing on a broken foot to get to the NBA Finals, and he'll he'll tell you. I mean, you, if you've ever seen Kevin McHale walking around anywhere, he, he it's 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 horrible. But he would, you know, I I don't think he would say he did the wrong thing because they got to the finals. Yeah, man, that that is that is crazy. I mean, it feels like. And I know there was data saying, I don't know if you looked at injury data, but there was data saying that there hasn't been more injuries, but it does feel like there's more star injuries, right? I mean, AD, Embiid, LeBron. I mean, there, there's so many of them. It does feel yeah. that way. Jamal Murray. Yeah. Jamal, that's, I mean, yeah. that's, that's, that's one of them. I mean, that's, that's, that's frankly might be the biggest one. I mean, I, they, I would have picked them to win the title had they gone into the playoffs healthy. I think, you know what, but this might give MPJ more reps and help them in the future. Yeah, he. I mean, he's he's kind of he he has, he was pretty good in Game Five, but he he is, he has had a couple struggles in the series, like just figuring out, you know, where he fits in in that more prominent role. He was yeah. he was excellent as sort of that the, like the you know the baseline scorer when they had, especially after they got Aaron Gordon. Are you saying in terms of like on ball reps, like? Yeah, and just just figuring out how he's gonna get where he's gonna get his touches, you know, um, at the top of the floor, uh, how he's gonna handle being guarded physically by smaller guys, which seems, you know, obviously playing against Portland, that's gonna be the matchup a lot of times. And I don't think he's handled that well. I think he can get stronger. I think that's gonna be a a little bit of a key for him, just to allow him to to you know use his size a little bit better. So he doesn't, you know, he, he you, you, you know, you play against a little guy and they get into your, you know, they get into your knees and then they kind of take your size away a little bit. But if you're strong enough, you can just, you can, uh, 
this is speculating as a as a smaller guy myself. This is just you know, <laughs> I don't I don't actually know from experience, but it certainly <laughs> seems that you know. But you know what I'm saying. So he yes. he gets he gets a little bit stronger, and then it then like the, you know the guy with the low center of gravity can't just you know push him out quite as well. Yeah, that is something. He he's uh he's a guy that is always getting better. So I think he'll figure yeah. that part out. And I do. I mean, I think. And Jamal Murray seems like a worker himself, and he'll get back to where Jamal Murray was. They're going to be really dangerous next year, I think. Yeah, no, that was. I mean, that was the, their their team. You know, just for that ten days when they had after yes. they traded for Gordon, and Gordon like, was fitting in so well. Oh man, no, they 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 their offense looked like they were on a hockey power play. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like all you know. Jokic was like you know was like Wayne Gretzky behind the net. Yes. And then there's just like guys like diving to the front and you just like, no, not you. You're not. A, okay. Dunk. Okay. Three. Okay. Right. I'm going to score now. Right. And on defense, you had a guy that could slow down franchise, other franchise guys, yeah. other, you know, primary scorers with Aaron Gordon. I mean, it, it, it looked amazing for that period of time. It's so unfortunate. Yeah. So Seth, uh, Portland, if they, where do they go from here, man? I, it, it, defensively, it just, I don't think it will work with this group. I know they'll, there's always rumors of coaching changes with them. I mean, what do you think their best course of action is? It's tough. I mean, I think it's the, the, the solution is the same as it's been for the last couple of years. It's, I think it's, you have to trade CJ. Yeah. Like, and, and what do you think you could get for CJ, especially if other teams know what you know and what you're saying, you know, it, I don't, you know, I, it's, it's not so much about like, it's not CJ per se. It's just that they've got so much of their kind of their, their offense and their, 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 their salary cap money tied up in like that one spot and they need help elsewhere. And just, again, they're sort of getting a little bit exposed for just the, the lack of, of versatility and, and just depth of talent on that roster. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think, you know, people get mad at you for saying this, but like, you know, Mello's been a nice story as a guy like morphing into a serviceable role player late in his career. But if he's the guy who comes into the game to guard the MVP in overtime, what are you doing? Like, what, what have you done with your, with your roster to, to have that be a, that be the, where you end up in a playoff series? Yeah, it's compounded by so much, though. I mean, that that obviously we know Dame is. I mean, I think he has a chance to be all time great. But that defensive backcourt isn't great. I mean, we yeah. know we know Cantor's issues, and yeah, Mello Mello is there as well. I, it's just a combination. If you have Mello and and Dame playing, you need to build around that correctly on the defensive side. Yeah, and you know they they end up they're they're ending up in the spot that so many teams seem to end up with Robert Covington where he is like one of the best off ball defenders in the league, but they end up having to use him as an on ball guy because he's the best they got. And he's just not nearly as good at that. That's interesting. Yeah. You know, and Nurkic is good, but frustrating. He can't, he he cannot stay away from, you know, those, the, the kind of the silly fouls that, that, you know, keep him from being like a, like a, you know, a, a 38, 40 minute playoff player. Because, you know, he will foul out in 32 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just they like, you know, the, the, the window of Dame at this level is not 
long. Yes. And and they're just they're they're just not good enough. I mean, I felt like that that game that 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 game five felt a little metaphorical, actually. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like, just give me, come on, guys, give me something, and just you know, he got them so far, and then it just not enough help. Seth, going forward, I mean, I know you talked about before with me, the next trend would be defense catching up to offense. Is there anything you see going forward when you're looking at the numbers, when you're looking at the data, when you're watching the film, like the future of the NBA and what it'll look like? Whew. Um, man, it's th- this year has been so weird. Like, I don't I, like there's, there's there's trends you can pick out from this season's play. But it's, I just feel like we're going to look back in three or four years and everything that happened this season is just going to be, maybe not everything, but so much of what this uh, happened this season is just going to be so anomalous because of the, you know, everything from the schedule to the, the, the really the bizarre environment in the gyms for two thirds of the season to, you know, the guys randomly being out because of, you know, health and safety protocols. Um, yeah. So I, you know, it's a, it's a cop out, but man, I just don't know. <laughs> I, so one thing I, one thing I do, I do think that that is going to continue until there's a, you know, maybe if they do some really substantial changes to the, the NBA regular season is I think that we're seeing that the style of play in the playoffs diverges more from the style in the regular season every year. Wow. And I think we're seeing that. I, I, I do think we're seeing that in the playoffs. You know, there's a way, lot in more. What, in, in what ways, Seth? You know, there's a lot more. You know, you're hunting matchups a lot more. There's, you know, we talked about the Knicks, like the Hawks being prepped for all the stuff the Knicks wanted to do, mm. and there's just like that's such a, you know, there's there, the, the, these teams have such you know big staffs, and they you know you give them a week, five days to prepare for another team, they can dial up some pretty some pretty great stuff. Yeah. And that's such a, that's such a huge change from, well, we were in Charlotte last night, we're in Brooklyn tomorrow. And then uh, we fly down to New Orleans uh, for a back to back. And, you know, it's just like, all right, yeah, you're not even, you're not even, you're not even yeah. thinking about a team. Right? Yeah. You have too many teams to think about. <laughs> Wait, what's, what's the call for switch again? Okay. Yeah. We, we just do our stuff and then we'll, you know, we'll figure it out. That's, that's where you, you're naming players from the yesterday's game. Yeah, exactly. Today's matchups. Yeah. You're totally, you're totally old, old, old ball coaching it like that. Uh, that guy there, what's he number twelve? Who is yeah, that? Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's interesting. Seth, man, I'm really looking forward to the book. Um, can we pre-order it? When does it come yeah, out? That's, uh, it is available for pre-order on literally nice. everywhere. One, one may may do pre-orders. It's called uh, it's oh, called nice. the Mid-Range Theory, and uh, it comes out from uh, Triumph Books in uh, early November. Very nice. Very nice. I'm looking forward to reading it. Uh, it would be great to get you back on the show again soon. Where can we find you on social media, Seth? Um, at Seth Partnow on, on Twitter and uh, read me uh, quite frequently at The Athletic. And podcasting at Nerder She Wrote. That's right. <laughs> Seth, thanks so much for your time and talk soon. All right. Thanks for having me back. Anytime. There it is. Another episode of Combos Court Podcast is in the books. Big thanks to Seth for joining in. We appreciate you. Combo Nation, punch down on that subscribe button. If you haven't already, rate and review the show wherever you listen to Combos Court. And share this episode, man. Share it on Twitter. 
share it on Facebook, share it on LinkedIn, share it on Instagram. That's right, share it on your Instagram. That's right, share it on your Instagram stories and tag me at one, two combo. That's O N E T W O C O M B O. If you would like to support this podcast even further, join in as a Combos Court Patreon. I'll leave a link in the description for the Combos Court Patreon page. Be on the lookout for episode 274. Combo out.